Previously on Vengeance. Oh, well, hey, nice to meet you, Drudlow. As you may know, the Keplen, just north of here, is uh, where most of the pipeweed comes from. To the west of their fields is an area called the Herd Hills, which would be really excellent land, except it seems to be inhabited by ghosts. Could I make my way over to the Congress of Independent Rangers? You come upon kind of a summer camp. I'm just going to take it in and just be as awkward as everyone else. All right. And, and just, just walk away. I mean, I guess Magnus would like to check in with his fiend. It's not just like a single strand connecting. It's like multiple strands creating like a tunnel. And it would show a red hand passing through the one and grabbing a figure and pulling it back in the other direction. I guess I can roll for it. But would I make any sort of connection between what I've seen and what happened to the woman at the fountain following the fight with the elemental? Oh, absolutely. Can Magnus go check out this Knight's Guild arena? Yeah. Can Palfrey come along and ride shotgun on that one? Absolutely. Get in the sidecar of my motorbike. Will do. Fist Meat Punch <laughs> and Zap Kid. Where'd you fight Lady Gwenda? Oh, right here in our home turf. She was making this big deal like it's her planar exit tour. She's leaving the plane and all this stuff. But I could clearly hear her saying that she was just going to go retire at Stone's Throw. She was in this creepy car that she came in, this carriage. It sounded like she was almost pleading for mercy or, or something. She's assigned you to be apprenticed to uh, Caleb. Ah, you must be Jebedo. The dwarves vacated Agland, which was our ancestral home up in the mountains, not too far from here. The church had a temple there at one time. He suggests that you retire to the Fey Chestnut. This is the tavern where the first performance of the final countdown occurred. Will the even ground ever be the same again. <laughs> it's the final countdown. <laughs> Tom, wait. Tom, wait. Oh, man. So uh, we are in the Fade Chestnut. Uh, Tom Waits himself uh, is wearing, obviously, fake elf ears on stage and uh, is singing his own rendition of The Final Countdown, and you are sitting with Caleb, and he says, uh, well, what do you want to know? So, as we stated before, we'd like to liberate your home stomping grounds, your undergrounds, and we would like to know what trials we may receive, what we might encounter, there's been talk of beast. There's been talk of, I mean, really mainly just the beast. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, I certainly don't think you'd just be able to uh, stride in and take it back. You know, I think I may have mentioned that uh, I was very young when, uh, when my people left, such that I, I only have vague memories of it and of a great calamity that caused us to leave. But uh, and my parents didn't talk much about it, which is partly why I wasn't interested in hanging around with them. I don't really need to get into that. Uh, but uh, as I understand it, we struck something in a very low place as we were mining, and something came up from below. There's these sort of dark figures who uh, began to cause trouble and uh, threatened our people, and ultimately we all were chased out, thrown out bodily by them. One element was they were flooding passages and making it difficult for us to get around, and ultimately we were practically washed out of the place. And I, such that I've, I have no sense of what's there now. Did your parents keep a map or? Well, I'm, from your question, I'm guessing none of you have been to uh, Agrilar over in the next valley. Is that right? Yeah, well, uh, the main reason why I'm over here and not there, pretty much all the other dwarves ended up there. They, uh, they pretty much set aside their practical ways and became lackadaisical and essentially just beachcombers. And uh, they've made a sport, practically a religion, of uh, shedding the pieces of culture that they brought with them from Aglan. So if, if a map existed at one point, it's almost certainly gone. And I was always after relics like that in my youth, but they were uh, taken and thrown into the sea. So, you know, I, I left in frustration. Um, it's, it's possible a map may survive over that way, but uh, that's quite a long ways. So they kicked you out, but they didn't slaughter you out. So is there a chance that we could survive this? There's, instead of it being half and half, we either come back or we don't, there's a third one where it's we come back because they asked us nicely to leave? <laughs> well, I don't, uh, it's it's possible. I 
don't think you'd have accomplished much if you just go in and they ask you to leave and you come back. But uh, <laughs> is that what you were suggesting? <laughs> well, when you put it in as many words, uh, it would sound better if you put it in more words, actually. <laughs> I'm sure it would to you. <laughs> I mean, have other people tried? Not that I know of. Uh, as far as I understand, it's, it's sort of a forgotten place and uh, it's shut up pretty tight. So, yeah, I'm not aware of any expeditions. If you do go, I would like to come with you. Of course. That could absolutely be arranged. Uh, what would you do? Well, uh, I'm assuming that your plan is not to loot the place and rather to redeem the temple there and to restore passage to dwarves and whoever else might be interested. Uh, absolutely. So, of course, our one and only truest of true goals is to ignite the eternal flame within the hearth of the... Church of the Immaculate Hammer, and may it last and burn ever brighter. Uh, yeah, and also with you. And also with <laughs> However, what can you bring to help us? I've not seen any of your work outside of the shop. Well, uh, I don't talk about it much, uh, but I had, did manage to salvage a book of Dwarven Smithcraft that I've been working my way through. I'm on about chapter 5 of 12, so I'm not too terribly far along. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've made a few things, and uh, I understand some of the workings. You know, a dwarf city would be full of many mechanical things and could help just to have a dwarf brain along. Can I ask you you elven types, what, what is it that makes you want to go underground? That's not really where elves tend to be at their best. Oh, we have dark vision and haven't had a chance to really test it. So. Oh, is that so? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always up for a new adventure. And I learned some new things with my arms that I really want to try out. <laughs> oh, oh could, could I have a demonstration, please? <laughs> no, we all are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, oh, and just in case the boar is not food, it's a companion. <laughs> oh, good to know. I was licking my chops uh, looking at that tasty morsel you got on a leash there. <laughs> or maybe not on a leash, I don't know. <laughs> well... I guess the only thing left to decide is if we're doing this now or if we're doing this in a fortnight. Or... Uh, I want to vote that we do it now. I feel like we need hard targets or we're going to go soft. An alarming this... statement from a metal man. Is this about the, the fight in the arena? Yeah, I'm still smarting from that. That really stung my pride. Uh, and I feel like I need to uh, go out there and prove something. Speaking of proving things, if, if I'm to come along with you into what is almost certainly a pretty dangerous uh, place, I've met Chibeto a bit. Uh, how, how am I to know that uh, you all can be reasonably protective of a craftsman and non-combatant such as I? You can't be certain. That's the die you're choosing to roll. He does not speak for us. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we've been traveling for a while now. We've only had one guy turn to stone, and it was our fault. So that's how you can know that it's we're not going to let anyone else do any damage to you. Yeah. So you're, you're saying... Because one of your companions was turned to stone, I should be uh, filled with confidence in traveling with you. Yeah, also, Suka's arm work is seriously impressive. Like, formidable. Demonstration, if you want. You know, let's go out in the alley and, and see you knock around some boxes or something. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to vaporize these boxes. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead and attack some boxes, please? Can Magnus be, like, throwing them at her to, like, Great. get out of the air? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and could she be shouting pull? <laughs> uh, first one, a 26. <laughs> Go for the KO. Uh, the second one is, is just an 11. <laughs> okay. All right. So you like, you like punch, you explode a box. With, well, here's what happens. Your first punch is so strong, the box just like disintegrates in the air. And your like second chop or whatever, like just goes through empty air because you've already destroyed the box with your first hit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so Caleb is very impressed by your box punching uh, and is, is satisfied of your combative prowess. Calfrey, please don't tell him that I beat you up. I I'm not planning to tell anyone that, ever. <laughs> uh, may I make a suggestion? Since ostensibly our main goal is uh, restoring a uh, another temple of the Church of the Immaculate Hammer, we might apply to Opic to see if uh, she might be a sponsor of this mission and provide us with some additional wares. Yes, please. I'll see to it at once. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the two of you should go. You know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Wait, um, was like a little crushed by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, to cut to the quick, I think Opic would uh, be happy to provide uh, two works of some kind. And I think she would offer like a single suit of plate armor to somebody to use for the mission. I think if Palfrey's reaction is the same as Collins, I think we know who needs it. (laughs) Uh, And I was going to say she would offer uh, one weapon, a suit of armor and a weapon. So um, is the armor branded? Yeah, I think it would have the Church of the Immaculate Hammers. And this is a a loaner, right? This is not a gift. This is a... Yeah, that's the understanding. Okay. I I would be honored to to don it. Um, Yeah, Okay. Uh, if the group is cool with that, um, you have a set of plate armor, uh, which makes your AC 18. I believe it actually makes my AC 19 because of my particular fighter defensive yeah. feature. There you go. Um, you have disadvantage on stealth rolls as well. Okay. Uh, and this adds 65 pounds to what you're carrying. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> so you're just a tin can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was, I was headed in that direction anyway. That was my destiny. Yep. <laughs> Anyone have any weapon interests? I'm basically willing to bargain for anything anyone's interested in. I mean, if no one else wants it, I did loan my mace to Palfrey, and I'm sure he's taking really good care of it, so. Yes, your mace, which is definitely still a mace and not some other kind of weapon that someone turned it into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, actually, sorry, can I, I, I might have a solution to this. If you yeah. want your mace back, if Gibetto can transform it back, you can have it back. And maybe I can just borrow a spear from somebody because that's like a real cheap common thing. But it, so if your mace is important to you, I don't want to deprive you of it. It's it's not. I wanted off a guy in a combat and I sort of took it out of pity. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> I'd say let's just, we're going into a probable combat. Let's just stack Palfrey. <laughs> so I'm sorry, was the conclusion that Palfrey is taking a spear? Sure. I think so, yeah. If somebody's got one, I'll take one. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, cool. Um, they give you a plus two spear. Holy shit. <laughs> I know that was going to be a plus two spear. I want a different conversation. Um, <laughs> cool. Now, is that, uh, you have to remind me in fifth edition, is that plus two to both hit and damage? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is also, I'm guessing. Uh, 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 1d6 person. Yeah, 1d6 mm-hmm. plus six. Mm-hmm. Yum. So now, if I'm using a spear, then I'm also using a shield, which means my AC is now 21. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god I'm, AC the AC one. I'm the one who's supposed to be Tom. No, I'm sorry. Not. I'm sorry. We can both be out there together. It's okay. Wait, so, so okay, so Gebetto, like, brokers this mission with his master, uh, the person he's apprenticed to, and then strides into the church, and then Palfrey, like, <laughs> takes armor, and, and his spear is now, like, Beefier than Gibetta. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> really, I promise I'm not trying to do that. And I would happily give up a weapon if somebody wants it. You know what? If I've got this spear, maybe I give that back to the pike, back to Magnus, so Magnus can have his mace back, and then it's... Okay. You know, and, ma- and maybe Magnus gets me a watch chain, but I've already pawned off my watch, so I can get that <laughs> real gift of the Magi situation in here. He gets you a carrot, but you've already eaten a carrot today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so, so Opic gives you her blessing and these items for this mission uh, and suggests, um, uh, she says, you know, I know uh, Caleb certainly knows more than I do about this place, but if I understand it, it's it can be a bit of a maze, so I, I'd be sure to take plenty of provisions with you. I will feel that personally. Uh, I'd also like help from the party remembering. I'd like to buy large sums of parchment and some charcoal. Maybe we can take a map as we go. As someone who comes from a cave, you gotta map a cave. You gotta map a cave. <laughs> you gotta map a cave. <laughs> That's the title of this week. <laughs> you gotta map a cave. Okay, so assuming you guys are kind of heading out from the church, uh, Hemo, out in the street, you would suddenly find a falcon alighting on your arm. <laughs> um, all right, so a falcon's landed on my arm. Uh, yeah, and it's looking at you like it has something to say. Yeah, I'd like to talk to this. Um, hang on a second. Uh, I have a spell for that. Mm-hmm. And that is verbal, and I have to make a gesture, so let's assume I made an awesome gesture. All right, so, Falcon, <laughs> what brings you to here, Falcon? Ah, my uh, master, Athlia, has a message for you. She heard from some of the other rangers in the Congress that you were asking about Aglan, and she has some information for you. 
Okay. Hey, guys. Let's go visit the Rangers and talk to someone named Ethel. I assume that the Falcon flies away. The Falcon does fly away, and it winks at you. <laughs> okay, so you uh, proceed through the wooded path to the uh, Rangers Congress. Uh, you see a group of Rangers, one of whom is blindfolded, standing on a platform, and is doing a trust fall into the arms of the other rangers. Uh, there's some others that are uh, struggling to paddle a canoe in the middle of a pond. And uh, there is a, a stout, copper-skinned halfling woman uh, with a fal- the same falcon on her arm standing over in a clearing. And she uh, she waves to you as you approach. Okay. So uh, saunter over and after What information do you have about the place we're going? Yeah, so uh, some of the other rangers here told me you were you were asking about that place, and uh, you know I've actually made a couple trips up there, and I wanted to let you know I was in a party of adventurers. I'm actually the only surviving member of the party. We actually breached the gates of Agland last year, and uh, didn't get very far because it didn't really seem to be worth the trouble. Uh, but it just was chock full of rust monsters. Oh no. Is that you or Gemetto? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell me about rust monsters? Uh, she can tell you the thing that I'm about to text you. So basically, you're going to get uh, the monster manual entry for rust monster. I like to say while this is happening, my boar is meandering around and mingling with other animals. Ooh, okay. I mean, I think when I think of a boar, I think of aggression. So I would think maybe it would like pick a fight with someone else's animal animal companion. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk up to uh, like a chicken or something and start like chasing it down. Oh. <laughs> Which really, what ranger has a chicken for an animal companion? Yeah. <laughs> One of the ones in the canoe struggling yeah. to paddle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we'll say, uh, having, uh, having received this information from Athlea, uh, uh, your boar uh, takes out someone's chicken. <laughs> uh, what's your move? First, um, I go chase down the boar. Come on, it's a chicken. Come back to the party. I'm imagining it's like when a dog has something and it knows it's not supposed to have it, and you have, it's like probably pretty hard to catch the boar. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I know a lot about rust monsters. Raise your hand if you need an update on rust monster information. All right. Okay. Rust monsters. Most dwarves would rather face a squad of orcs than confront a single rust monster. These strange, normally docile creatures corrode ferrous metals then gobble up the rust they create. In doing so, they have ruined the armor, shields, and weapons of countless adventurers. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah. So, I'm uh, going to be fine. <laughs> good. All right. Thanks for that information here. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that <laughs> hopefully is entirely useless. And they like we don't run into one. Jibetta was just like hands on knees, bent over, panting into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this thing is like the opposite of you. The antithesis of everything I stand for. I feel like I could take this thing. Like I don't have. <laughs> yeah, if we hit one of these guys, it's on Magnus and Suka to. And I mean, Pimlin's only got a magical weapon. And and I'm ranged, so I've got a boar that can charge it. How how large are these things? Like, um... yeah, um, I think it's like it says medium monstrosity, so about the size of a a humanoid. Okay. Honestly, I'm embarrassed to say we pretty much opened the door, fought a few of those things, and then got the hell out of there. About how many of these monsters did you encounter? We slew three of them and saw more coming and decided that was too much for us. All right. Well, thanks for the help. Uh, anyone else have a question? No. I'm walking into this with a, with a confidence that is perhaps ill-advised. Considering how badly I just got beaten at a fake tourney, but <laughs> don't let that hang over your head. Yeah, we're gonna overcome that. Yeah, I'm gonna work on my jump spins. It'll be great in a month. All right, uh, so I'm gonna talk to the boar and say, "Hey, uh, we've got some, some some fighting for you to do ahead. So if you could just lay off the chicken and, and other companions for just a little while, you can get that aggression out later. I'll try to talk it down. I'm trying to talk it out of being so aggressive." It uh, snorts and uh, spits out some feathers. <laughs> so, in the interest of brevity, I'd like to have Gibetto go through the market and kind of pick up rations, supplies that we might need. Uh, we're probably good on rope, but I might try to pick up mm-hmm. some, like, 
pythons. We left behind most of the rope at the tower. Oh. I'd like to get some rope, some pythons, uh, food, and also the parchment and charcoal. Yeah, so I'm, I'm fine with just honor system for all that stuff, but it, just in the interest of, of making this expedition, like having the stakes be there, if I can ask you guys to keep track of like what you're buying now and what you're expending in terms of rations and that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, I think that'll make for some fun. I'm going to go with you to carry all of it, but offer to pay for nothing. <laughs> there is also Tierney's Magic 50 trinkets available to you. As I'm carrying all the stuff for you, I'd like to make the two of us go there. I don't know if anyone else wants to join us. I'm just going to buy some arrows. That's all I really need to buy. Okay, cool. Were Magnus and Gebetto going to Tierney's? Yes. Yes, please. Yes. Cool. So were the new ones the whimpering wand and the anchor boots? That's right. Okay. Anchor boots? <laughs> Tierney like comes out from behind the counter and is like, please let me put them on your feet. And he's like <laughs> grabbing your foot and like putting them on your leg. Is he using like one of those old like measure your foot things that shoe stores have? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's, I think I described it. He's, he's a half dwarf and he has like a flickering, like. Yes. Sort of translucent form. Uh, and he, uh, he, con- yeah, he conjures one of those foot measuring things and like holds up. Ooh, quite a small one. And he like. Shrinks the boots down with a wand and like puts them on your feet. Now, Magnus, I need an opinion. Yes. Because I do look fantastic in it. Yeah, am I making these work? <laughs> <laughs> the only issue is, and I'm gonna walk across the room very slowly. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the rest of me is already so noisy. That's true. You and Palfrey are doomed. I think these could be useful to have, but I'd have to put them on for something. Yeah, and like when when do the things we encounter ever like, you know, come expected? Yes, never. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Okay. Good talk. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But I do want them. I mean, do you have these in all of your locations? Of course. They're in every city. Not the one we're going to though. The one we're going to has nothing to do with Well, per- perhaps someday he'll set up a, a branch there. Where are you heading to? We're going into the hills of the abandoned Dwarven Mountain. Oh, Aglin. Yeah, I used to. I had a shop there. It may still be there. Oh, well. Let me check. Uh, it seems that a bunch of boulders have fallen on it. Oh, no. <laughs> your, your business practices boggle my mind, but I have to respect an entrepreneur. Thanks, I guess. <laughs> Not listed in um, uh, Gebetto's flaws is that he just fucking loves capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> it's like neither here nor there. <laughs> well, folks, are you going to buy anything? I think I'll have to pass on the boots for now, but I'm keenly interested, so... Um, if anybody comes and wants them, maybe have them wait a couple of days. <laughs> That's not a service that I offer. Yeah, he doesn't have layaway. I'd like to buy the whimpering wand. Awesome. <laughs> the whimpering wand. Short wand of flaky wood with a small frightened looking face on it. Once per day, the user may activate the wand by reciting, Whimpering wand, whimpering wand, tell me if frightful things lie beyond. For the next hour, the wand is aware of any threatening creatures within 300 feet and will whimper in accordance with the severity of the threat and or the number of foes. A single minor foe at the edge of the range will cause it to emit a barely audible whimper, while many fearsome foes close at hand will cause it to emit frightened shouts. The wand may be commanded to silence at any time by the same person who activated it. Any mechanics questions about that? I think I wrote it out pretty Uh, No, that sounds great. Okay, cool. That is sold. Cool. All right. Any other in-town preparations, folks? Why, that sounds like a no. Which means a yes to break time. Hey, folks, this is Luke Brevort, your host and Dungeon Master, and today I'm speaking to you as... Uh, Athlea, the falconer ranger who texts people with birds. Man, I hope these guys have better luck in Aglin than I had. If they uh, if they don't come back, maybe I'll 
scare up another adventuring party and go loot their bodies. Just kidding, I'm Lawful Good. Thanks for listening to Session 17 of Vengeance. We will indeed soon learn what dangers are in store for our heroes. In the meantime, I'm here to tell you that the show is edited and sound designed by me, Luke Brevort. Our theme song is Castles in Winter by Joel Van Drogenbroek. All other music is by me. The website for my sound work is splendorsound.com, and you can email the show at vengeancepodcast at gmail.com. Okay, let's see what happens. Okay, so I think I said it's a two days journey into the mountains. Rather than kind of do a play-by-play, I'd like to hear what each member of the party is doing, like, as you proceed. Um, And we'll do some roles to see, like, how you do at, like, for example, being a lookout or, I don't know, if you're hunting for game or whatever you you guys want to do. We'll see how that goes, and that'll kind of affect what happens on your journey. And I should say, just to give you the flavor of the thing, so... The town of Guildford is in a river valley, and there's there's no snow in this world, but you're heading towards some very tall, bare stone peaks. You're, uh, you'll be rising through some hills, uh, some w- wooded hills, into like a forest of conifers. Um, and this would be a pretty faint trail. This, this would have been a, a very, very active road uh, something like 50 years ago, but the traffic would have stopped pretty abruptly when the dwarves left. So this is an overgrown road you're traveling on through some woods. Okay. Um, at some point on each day, uh, so primeval awareness is the new skill for me. Of course. Let's me use an action and one spell slot to uh, focus my awareness on the region around me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can sense whether the following types of creatures are present within one mile or six mm-hmm. miles of uh, favorite terrain with my forest. So I'm Yeah, let's say you're in that. Okay, um, so I, I can detect aberrations, celestials, uh, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead. So um, I guess I'm just going to do that. Uh, yeah. And see if I detect any of those kind of creatures. Cool. Uh, you do not. Okay. Um, I would like to ask Hemo to uh, check the trail that we're on to see if he can tell when the last people traversed this way. Like, when it looks like the last people like deliberately traversed here to try and figure out basically like, are we going to encounter other people who might be a problem? So I don't know if that's like a survival check. Yeah, I would, I would take, I would take survival. Okay. Yours is definitely better than mine. Uh, plus four on survival. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you get a pretty clear view of some tracks. I mean, this, this is firmly within your wheelhouse. So uh, yeah, you, you do not, see any recent uh, humanoid tracks. You see some uh, sort of lesser beasts like deer and probably boar. You recognize some bugbear tracks. Seems like a group of maybe uh, six to eight bugbears may have come through in the last couple days. You recognize some larger tracks. You're not sure, um, maybe a cyclops or a giant or something like that. But uh, yeah, nothing nothing especially recent. Um, real quick, I guess, for the group's benefit, uh, forest is my favorite terrain. So my proficiency bonus is double for uh, when I make intelligence or wisdom checks related to it. While traveling for an hour or more in the chosen terrain, difficult terrain doesn't slow down the group's travel. Your group can't become lost except by magical means. I remain in danger even when uh, engaged in, an, in, in another activity. I can move stealthily at normal pace, and I find twice as much food while foraging. Uh, while tracking creatures, I learn the exact number, sizes, and how long ago they passed through the area. <laughs> so we're Shit. we're fine. <laughs> we're walking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. You guys want to know more about bugbears? I can read you another brief. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that like the entire time the hero is just like pointing at tracks and then just like launching into like, oh, the bugbear. <laughs> Yeah, you're on it. I will. I will say the the only the only sign you detect is you do smell the smell of a campfire from somewhere. You're traveling west into the mountains. I'd say to the south, you smell uh, the smell of, of well, not necessarily campfire. You smell fire. Okay, faintly. All right, group. There is a fire to the south, <laughs> west. We could we could ignore it, or or we could go and see what's going on. Sounds like that would be out of our way. I agree. Let's move on. <laughs> Can I percept behind us maybe once a day to see if we're being followed? Sure. Yeah, go ahead and roll. 
Okay, so we're traveling for two days, so I'll roll twice. Yes. I got a 14 for the first day and a 17 for the second day. Okay, um, you, you don't see anything the first day. The second day, you see a bit of motion in the trees, like, pretty far behind you. Like, like a, maybe this is, like, a, a spot where you, you come to, like, a large boulder that kind of sticks up and you can overlook. And you see um, a little, little bit of movement um, along the path about a quarter mile behind you, sort of down the, the mountainside. Okay. Um, I'm going to point that out to Hemo first and say, like, do you see that? And then, like, alert the group. I'll say I, I, I see that, um, but I'll, we'll just keep an eye on it uh, and see what happens in the next day. Okay. Any other activities from the group? Uh, I'd like to forage for herbs once each day. Um, and then I also want to, during the four hours that I'm not sleeping when everyone else is, um, I would like to create a campfire. Uh, that's something I can do with my elemental attunement. And then I would like to cook a meal for everybody. So those are my two kind of main culinary things. Oh, yeah. So the foraging I'll do first. So the first one is 22. Yes. Uh, and the second one is another 22. Yes. So, uh, then I do D4 twice to see what I get. Uh, first one is a four. Uh, second one so you're just like yeah okay so you just picked up six more bundles so you're just like <laughs> you're just like covered in bun- bunches of herbs like all over <laughs> I will say these are our fragrant herbs Ooh. oh okay mm-hmm. so now I do I, I want to do the um, the meal so I guess this would just be two meals right mm-hmm. well let's say we've gotten through the first day un- uneventfully this would be going into the second right because the advantage here is is um, constitution. constitution yeah so let's let's just say this is like the dinner of the first night okay you'd have to beat a 10 yeah i i have a seven it was Ooh. not a great meal sorry everybody not a great meal yeah it's not uh, you know yeah not it's not tasty it doesn't doesn't make any of you throw up like <laughs> in your previous experience your earlier experience but uh anyway. it's not great here. what a neutral dish <laughs> I <could use> some <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm done then. Cool. All right. Did, did you have something, Colin? Yeah, I'd just like to maintain a general air of watchfulness. <laughs> okay. I would like to make a couple attempts over the couple of days to write a new hymn for the Church of the Immaculate Hammer. Mm, interesting. I don't know what kind of role that would be. I, I, th- I would accept history or performance. Because you're like drawing on, or, or religion, duh, yeah. religion or performance. Religion. We're we're gonna do religion because I have advantage, or not advantage, I have proficiency in it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, my first attempt is an eight. Yeah, it's not great. You discover, you realize it's set to the tune of the final countdown. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stuck in my head. <laughs> not only that, but you you topsiders rhyme your songs. Oh God. <laughs> Most everything below ground is spoken word. Maybe there will be some like drum and bass behind it. <laughs> Chris would here. Chris would be loving this. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try on the second day to refine my masterpiece. Sure. Oh, that's a 17. Yeah. So, are you? Is this a thing you are singing? Are you singing to the group? What? Do you, how? In what way are you doing this? Oh, I'm I'm completely like without pitch, just speaking it loudly. Hmm. Loudly. Loudly. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think as as you kind of maybe you get to the end of the second day and, and you recite the full composition and Caleb, uh, uh, who maybe is wearing like a felt hat, uh, midway through takes off his hat and puts puts it on his chest and is moved by your your recitation. Aww. It is titled <laughs> "While the Iron Is Hot." Um, while we're on you, Gibetto, Caleb uh, is going to insist that you continue your apprenticeship, even though you're on the road. Uh, he has a tiny, uh, ki- I don't know if this is a thing, a camping forge. It's probably yes. a thing. Actually, okay. mobile forges were real big during the Civil War. Great. Okay. He has like a just like a carry on your shoulder kind of forge thing. And, and uh, he's not really making anything, but he's, he's, he's making you uh, like set it up and get it going each morning. And he wants faster, faster. What did we agree was the check for this? I think it was you make a thing up and I tell you whether or not I'm okay with it. Okay. 
if we're doing setup of a forge, I, I would think maybe a survival check because I'm. It's kind of like setting up a campfire. You have to start a coal fire. Sure. Okay. This is in addition to the magic fire that Suka just like conjures up whenever the hell she wants. <laughs> like Suka just makes a fire, and I'm over rubbing sticks in a bed of coal. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a builds character. That's it's a nine. I think that's a failure, my friend. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. yeah how about day two? Uh, fourteen. Yeah, all right, all right. We'll let that one ride. So I, as I have it recorded, you uh, in your apprenticeship so far, you have four successes and two failures. That sounds good to me. That tracks. Yeah. So <laughs> make, and if you pull off this this mission in a successful way, you know, we're, we're well on our way to uh, renown, I think is what it's called. So. Yes. I would love to have renown. <laughs> okay, uh, so it's getting towards dark on the second day. Um, but Caleb seems to think that you're very close, so he suggests you press on into evening. And uh, just as it's really getting to the point where it's almost too dark to like set up camp, you come to the gates of Aglin. There's a sort of hexagonal frame carved into the stone side of, of a cliff of the mountain, and there are two uh, large stone doors with a crease down the center. Uh, with concentric hexagons down to a small one, maybe a foot across in the center, kind of spanning both doors. And it has some flaking golden paint uh, in the center of it. Are we going in or are we going to make camp for the night? I mean, it would be rude not to investigate. Let's at least confirm that we can open the door. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful position to start in. Yeah. How high are the, are there like doorknobs? <laughs> Uh, there are not. Uh, it is a mostly flat, but like each concentric hexagon shape is like in inset slightly, so it's kind of like vaguely gotcha. concave. Gotcha. Alfred, would you like to do the honors? Oh, I was going to turn it over to Caleb. Yeah. Oh, we even got Yeah, but you would have the inside scoop. It's it's about time uh, we had something for you to do. I know we've pulled you away from some important work, Caleb, but. Gibetto, my most important work is overseeing your progress as my apprentice. I, while normally I'd agree with you, this seems pretty pressing. <laughs> I guess I'll set that task aside for now. Um, and he, uh, he goes up to the doors uh, and kind of runs his hands over, maybe pushes away some vines and runs his hands over the surface uh, and tries pushing the doors and he's not having any luck. And then finally uh, he puts his hand in the center of the hexagon uh, and the doors creak and begin to swing open. Uh, there is a dark space before you, which you uh, really, well, I guess you you dark vision people mm-hmm. uh, could see in. Yeah, so uh, the let's say there's there's a, a large orange harvest moon rising in the east uh, and that vaguely illuminates like a ruined statue on a stone pedestal just inside the door uh, in a chamber that seems to be roughly 50 feet in diameter. I'm just going to pull back my crossbow and have a bolt loaded. Same. I'm going to get my longbow loaded and ready. Cool. So are, are we are we going in? Well, I mean, what, what, I can't stay up all night. Yeah, what it's it's it might be best if we let it air out for a for a bit. Yep. Take <laughs> camp a respectful distance from hollow ground. Sure. So we're going to set up camp tonight, that's what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'd like to use primeval awareness uh, to see if I detect aberrations, celestials, uh, elementals, fey, fiend, or undead. And the radius is six miles because, well, okay, so now you're out of your favorite terrain. Um, okay, you detect elementals. Elementals. Yeah, what do you get to, do you just get to know that they are there, or? Yeah, I just know that they are there, I don't know that okay. Yeah, you get a distinct elemental vibe coming across the airwaves there. Uh, guys, just so you know, uh, I, I'm feeling the presence of elementals ahead. Uh, I mean, we didn't come across any on our way, so I'm assuming they're probably in there somewhere. So get a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm also going to ask Kimo, should we check for that thing that I thought was following us. Indeed. Yeah, let's do a perception check uh, to see if I detect any... Uh, oh, well, they wouldn't be caught up to us yet. I'd like to help him so he has advantage. Okay. What are you actually doing? Yeah, I'm not sure. I did not, if they're not caught up to us, I wouldn't see anything that we know tracks because they're behind us. 
Yeah, you're so the, just just to kind of paint the picture. Um, there's there's just like a small semicircular clearing around this door with maybe some like tall grasses or something, and otherwise it's a conifer forest. So you don't really have like a view of the land or anything like okay. that. Um, Can it be a listening perception check? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll do that. That is, <laughs> I rolled a nine. Uh, you hear uh, birds and. Uh, maybe the gentle pawing of a cougar or some such. The second roll was 18. Okay. You hear the cougar breathing. <laughs> uh, you hear... <laughs> Let me choose one of the many other words for that animal. You hear the mountain lion breathing. <laughs> it is behind you. Oh, no. It is behind yeah. you. No. Uh, it, is not, it is not a threat. Uh, you you, you uh, are aware of some sort of generally harmless forest beast moving around you. Um, you hear a faint crackling as of a campfire uh, some way in the distance, again, sort of to your south. Okay. Well, if we're tucking in, I, I think it best if maybe we, in rounds, take watch, seeing as we've opened what could be the floodgates and also these two seem kind of twitchy looking over our shoulders. It could be the floodgates, it could be the fire gates, it could be the earth gates, it could yeah. be the wind gates. No, like rust gates. Stuka's arms are the wind gates. We yeah. accomplish this. <laughs> I will take first watch. I'll take second watch. I'll take third watch. I'll take fourth. I think three will probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, th- I think three is the standard for watches. Although I think, Colin, I think you might have had us do four watches in, in your campaign. I think, but... I think at the time oh, we did Let's stretch the watch taking out as much as possible. That's because, yeah, that's that's like all we wanted to do was take watches all the time. <laughs> um, okay, uh, great. So, be watching anyway because I am awake for part of the night. So, if somebody yes. would like to sleep, I would be happy to, mm. to do. <laughs> and also, that kind of makes it funny that Hema will be awake but not on watch at one point <laughs> of the night. <laughs> okay, uh, so Jibeta, you're starting off the night. Um, are you, are you guys making a fire? Like, what are your prepper? Are you pitching tents? Are you sleeping? What's the temperature? Like, is it cold? Do we need a fire? Or It's hot as hell. It's midsummer. It's like, well, I guess you're up in the mountains. It was it was like like in the 80s when you left Guildford, but uh, now it's a, a nice, cool, like, 68 up here. I think mm. we're good without a fire. I, I don't know that fire is necessary. And I do not require its pale embers, as my vision in the dark is unrivaled. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I just like got some serious feels of thinking about sixty eight degrees outside. Right. That sounds so that sounds so good. <laughs> Let me elaborate on how wonderful the weather is right now. <laughs> um, okay, so Gibetto on the first watch uh, with with your your keen for neblin eyes, um, probably, maybe you would all be startled. Uh, roughly an hour after Caleb opened the doors uh, of their own volition, they creak and uh, pull shut. No, I I both do and do not like that. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, uh, your watch is uneventful. So as Palfrey wakes up for his watch, I'm just gonna point over towards the door and be like, "I don't know, <laughs> I don't know." <laughs> uh, Palfrey, your watch is uneventful. Uh, who was third? Kimo. Oh, Kimo. oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time about not taking a watch. Um, uh, your watch is also uneventful. Uh, and Suka will say maybe you get up to make breakfast early or something, and uh, nothing. also nothing happens while you're doing that. Um, I, I would say, actually, all, all, all four of you, the whole party, uh, would smell uh, wood smoke uh, very faintly throughout the evening. Huh. So overnight. But yeah, the, uh, the sun rises in the east, uh, sending bright orange light onto the door of the mountain city of Agland, and uh, morning is upon you. So I have a quick mechanical question. So I have mm-hmm. racers on. Um, how do I store key points? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. We hadn't talked about that. Um, my, my thought was basically if you get to the end of a day and you have leftovers, you can store them in there. Okay, cool. Or, or you could do that at will anytime you want to. Okay, great. Um, can I do a perception check to see if I detect anything that might indicate why the door is closed? Uh, sure. I rolled a <laughs> wow stick. They are stone doors with hexagons just all over them. <laughs> Based out roll, so no, I'll take that. 
Um, I mean, I guess you would see the, the road is very much overgrown, but you can tell that there are divots near the center of the doors. So it seems to be it have been a trafficked passageway at some point in the past. All right. So just notice. So are we going in? This way we yeah. I do feel a little inconsiderate, Palfrey. I, I didn't purchase any torches or anything. Oh. I, I, I <laughs> it would not occur to Jibeto that people would need torches. What's in a Dungeoneer's pack? I, you know what? Actually, this one's on me. I've got you. I'm going to go off into, you said there was like pines around us or. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to break off a branch and cast light on it and hand it to Palfrey. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I just totally forgot about that, and I thought uh, I thought surely, I guess I thought somebody in the party had a light spell, and I was right, I guess. But I was thinking um, Sergio surely can cast light, but of course Sergio <laughs> has been turned to stone for weeks and weeks now. So <laughs> I'm carrying ten torches for future reference. Awesome. There you go. Yeah. Uh, now my question is, Palfrey, uh, do you put away your shield or your spear when you're carrying that? I'm going to have to put away the shield for that. Okay. So it's going to bring my AC back down to 19. You know what? I think Magnus seeing him with these things, I'll carry your torch. I only need one hand for what I do. <laughs> what do you want, baby? <laughs> um, so do you guys want Caleb to uh, do his, his dwarfy open dory thing again? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he says dwarfy open dory and puts his hand on the door. <laughs> <laughs> A dignified people. <laughs> do, do any of you speak Dwarven, by the way? Uh, nope. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so maybe when you guys are doing all your apprentice stuff, he's like speaking to you in Dwarven. Okay, so uh, he puts his hand on uh, the doors and swing open. Um, and at this point, the sun is shining directly into this, this uh, chamber. And you can clearly see uh, that in the center of the room is a large stone platform, rectangular platform. And on top of it is basically just like a pile of rust. It seems as though you would kind of infer from the arrangement that there, there may have been a statue at some point, but that seems to be have been reduced to rust. And the outline of, of the object almost, <laughs> I'm picturing like when a beaver uh, goes after a tree, like you would see like kind of tooth marks on the outside of it. Um, yeah, and you can just ba- barely make out like the base of it would have been like two stumps of feet. So you're, you're in a roughly circular chamber. Uh, there is an exit uh, on the opposite side, and that appears to immediately branch left and right. I'm going to sketch that on the parchment real quick. Cool. Um, yeah, so you, ha- you have left and right to choose from. Caleb, does this spark any memories of your... Do you know where we are? Do you know what this is? I'm afraid not. I, I have uh, just a few glimpses of memory of this place. I remember a, a, a great city, and I remember... Uh, great staircase and dark passages, and that's about it. I'm afraid I'm not going to be much help of navigating this place. Left it is. <laughs> okay, uh, you proceed down a hallway, and you come to uh, entrance to a chamber that seems to, at one point, maybe to have been blocked by a portcullis. Um, all that's left are some rusty nubs at the floor and ceiling. Um, and inside, you see about a dozen... Skeletons, L- lying down. They're all playing their ribs like xylophones. <laughs> Just kidding. We would have heard that. Are they uh, human size, dwarf size? Uh, they are uh, about human size. Uh, if you inspect them, approach and inspect them further, I'd be happy to tell you more. I would like to move closer and look at them. Let's yes. In the event that there is uh, dwarven tomfoolery afoot. Maybe have the most agile one go forward. Sure. Um, yeah, so Suka, as you approach, uh, your stomach turns as you recognize the sort of facial bone structure of uh, elves. You would also n- note that to a person, all of them have a white shock of hair, and they seem to be a little diminutive compared to the elves that you're familiar with, like on the surface world. Okay. <laughs> Um, also, perhaps notable, you, all you see in this chamber are uh, skeletons and maybe some scant uh, bits of rag, um, but you don't see any possessions related to these people. Are they laying in an orderly way, or are they just kind of like screwing about? They're sort of scattered around. Um, okay, uh, so I, I'll, I'll go back and, and 
sadly relate that they are elves. Um, they're smaller elves than I've seen anywhere before, and they surprisingly still have hair, which I thought was unusual for skeletons. What color hair? White. Did they seem like they could have been drow? I, may, maybe. Is that characteristic of them? I mean, white hair certainly runs in some of their family trees, and you don't necessarily want to be tall living in a cave. That makes sense. I mean, you can you can go look at them yourself if you'd like. There's, there's nothing happening in there. Mm, not, they're just skeletons. Not super big on that, but thank you. Okay. Well, right it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I should say that there are no uh, exits out of that room. It's a dead end. To the right, you proceed down a hallway for maybe 100 yards or so, um, and then the hallway makes a sharp left uh, and opens into a larger chamber, which is very large, about 200 yards long. In the center, you see some stalactites in the ceiling, but it seems to have been, like it may have been a natural opening, but it's been expanded. You can tell it's carved walls, and there are um, some, that sort of hexagonal motif continues uh, in sort of corners and Arch, archways in the ceiling and there's an open space down the middle and then along the two walls there are these sort of rock almost like almost like rock cubicles like sort of half walls that jut out and seem to make kind of stalls along the two walls and uh, you can see into one of them on your left uh, and there is just sort of a patch of uh, rust mingled with dirt and uh, you see the, the remains of a cart to your right. Oh, and this is important, yes. Uh, and to your right along the wall, there is a, uh, a rough opening that seems not to have been cut by tools and doesn't seem to be like an avalanche or, or some natural cause. It's sort of a rough opening in the wall with a darkness uh, behind it. I bet that's where the rust monsters are coming from. Do we hope they haven't caught wind of us? What do we do in this instance? What's our? I'm gonna check um, the cart. Well, he's while he's checking the cart. Can I do an Arcana check on that opening to see if it was caused by magic? For sure. Okay. And I'm I'm gonna roll for investigation on the cart. Okay. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a 15 to do an Arcana check on it. Yeah. Uh, you you do not get a sense that it is uh, has any anything magical about it. Okay. And uh, Jibetta, I would say just by peeping into the cart, you would notice, um, like, uh, I forget what they're called. Honey might be able to help me with this. Mm -hmm. There was, like, I think it was in England or Netherlands, like, before there were stocks, there were, like, sticks that had, like, like lines carved in them. And people would trade these sticks. Oh, it was, like, yeah, the earliest form of the stock market. Yeah, like Ogham script. Uh, yes. Sticks, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of, like... Basically, you you see a bunch of like carved wooden sticks that I think uh, just as someone who's moved throughout the world, you would recognize as being associated with commerce. Okay. Mm -hmm. But wooden, so not mm -hmm. tasty. <laughs> I think at this point, I have to pull it up again, but I'm going to activate the whimpering wand. Uh, but let me pull up the thing I have to say. Yes, please do. Because <laughs> I know that if it's on there, I have to do it. I'm just going to recap some relevant details about rust monsters to make sure everyone's aware of. Yeah. Uh, the, mo the rust monster can pinpoint by scent the location of ferrous metal within 30 feet of it. Uh, any non-magical weapon made of metal that hits the rust monster corrodes. Non-magical ammunition made of metal that hits the rust monster is destroyed after being damaged. So, there you guys know. Jesus. Now, this is just a, a semantic question. I think I know the answer, but when I cast my magic on myself to bust buff my AC. That doesn't make my armor magical. It just is a magic on top of my armor, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, yeah, cool. This is a super cool place that we're in. I love it. Every, every inch of it. So probably my armor is boned. Well, I shouldn't even say my the armor that I borrowed that doesn't even belong to me. I'm going to ruin it. Yep. The spear that I borrowed is probably fine. As long as we can make it out alive. I have the ability to mend things, and I will use it liberally. However, if we're dead, I can't do it, so we can't die. That's why we can't die. <laughs> I mean, yes. 
I'm gonna whisper to the wand, whimpering wand, whimpering wand, tell me if frightful things lie beyond. So it's 300 foot radius. Yes. Uh, the wand uh, springs to life, uh, and I'm picturing uh, like a sort of segmented reed. Yeah. Uh, and maybe like one of the segments near the top, like a pair of eyes open and a little nose pokes out and a little mouth uh, in a sort of like like the uh, like the drama masks, like the sad one. <laughs> this is some Alice um, Wonderland stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like I'm pic- I guess I am picturing like the face of the doorknob, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and it opens its little mouth. And uh, uh, my idea is that it whimpers; it does not shout, yeah. but it immediately is uh, whimpering vigorously. Okay. And and it's I would say it's loudest. You're, I'll just tell you, you're hearing its loudest whimper, which is about the, the level of normal conversation. Okay. And as that occurs, yeah. a rust-colored antenna uh, peeks around one of the dividing walls uh, about 50 yards ahead of you. Let's roll initiative. I was going to say, is it? <laughs> um, and and uh, go ahead and do your rolls, but I got to grab uh, a map here. And when I say grab a map, I mean make a map. Um, how do you guys want to arrange yourselves in your starting positions? Maybe give me front, middle, and rear ranks. I think I'd be middle. I'd like to be close to the front, I think. Oh, okay. Me too. Got Magnus and Suka in front. I'll go in the rear then. I'll take the middle. Okay, cool. And I'll put uh, Pimlin also in the, in the rear. Uh, okay, so you see... You see two rust monsters uh, coming around the edges of the alcoves. And uh, go ahead and hit me with those initiative rolls, if you would. Coffee. 15. Great. Uh, I need to roll for Pimlin. Oh, boy. Pimlin rolls a five. Also makes sense. <laughs> uh, but he has a whole bunch of decks, so it would probably be more like 12. Um, Suko. Uh, 19. Magnus. Uh, I got a... Well, we both got 12s, but my dex is higher. So, she's... Okay. So, I'm the top 12. Okay. Below Pimlin, if he also got a 12. Yes. Okay, Hemo. One. Damn. And then, oh, of course, Calum uh, is among you. He's going to hide in the back. Cool. Hemo, uh, you are up first. All right, so I'm going to use um, my bonus action to make the rust monster towards the bottom. So on the right of us, my targeted enemy. Cool. Yeah, I'll come back to that. Then I'm going to have the, my companion, I'm going to have the boar do a charge prior to a tusk attack. So if moving at least 20 feet straight before the tusk attack, target takes an extra three, that's slashing damage. And it must succeed on a DC 11 strength save or be knocked prone. Speed is forced. So you could you could close about half the distance with with these rust monsters you can see right now. Okay, uh, I'm gonna have the boar move closer to within range so that it could do a target its next turn. Okay, I'm going to take a range attack with my longbow. And that will be a oh fun of a I rolled a one. <laughs> oh no, yeah. I mean, you're not used to having a boar running out in front of your party when you're shooting. Um, what's what's your uh, uh, what's your boar's HP? Boar is eleven. We'll say the arrow glances off the boar's hide and leaves a nick and deals one one hit point of damage to it. <laughs> and it, uh, it and it looks around at you, betrayed <laughs> and confused. I'm very very like sorrowful look on my face, and I'm trying to like, just you know communicate with it. You know, old school. Sorry. An, an auspicious beginning to, to this this adventure here. Yeah, yeah. Suka. I'm gonna work on the one towards the other side, I think. Mm-hmm. And about how far away are we? Uh you are about sixty feet from them. Okay. I can go forty feet with a move, so I'd like okay. to, I'd like to move kind of towards the left. Is that like a a ledge that I can kind of get behind? Yeah, these these are carved uh stone walls that are about ten feet high. All right, yeah, I'd like to be just on the edge of it, and then I'd like to reach around the edge and do my first uh, fist of unbroken air. Yeah, get it. So that costs two key points. It must make a, a strength saving throw. Okay. 
Uh, it rolled a four. Sweet. So it takes 3d10 of bludgeoning damage. A three, a seven, and a ten. So 20 bludgeoning damage. Yeah, you like knock one of its legs off uh, with this air. <laughs> and then it, uh, it also says I can push the creature up to 20 feet away from me and knock it from. So I would like to as well. Okay, cool. It shoots shoots back into this this outcode out of sight, and uh, and you hear it squeal in pain, and the smell of rust fills the air. <laughs> Great. Cool, Palfrey. All right, I think I'm just gonna move to the head of the formation. Okay. And keep my head on a swivel. Okay. You ready in action or anything? Yeah, I thank you. I forgot that I could do that. I would like to do that. Um, <laughs> or you can take a defensive stance or whatever. No, I want to ready in action. In the event okay. that a rust monster should get within striking distance of where I currently am, mm-hmm. I would like to attack. Um, cool. Okay, you have ready that action. Uh, okay, Pimlin is up. Uh, Pimlin is going to pull out... I think maybe Pimlin would have bought like a real grappling hook having made do with scissors last time. <laughs> Uh, and Pimlin's gonna uh, grappling hook and climb up on on top of this. He's gonna try to climb up on top of this wall. That's oh yeah, uh, I don't know what exactly his plus is, but he probably rolled a twenty five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's up on the wall, and he's going to. Well, that, yeah, that's plenty. He's up there. Okay, uh, Magnus. Okay, I would like to go my full thirty feet towards them. Okay. Uh, and then bonus action, Misty Step, another 30 feet right up on that one. Oh, shit. What does that look like? So what is I, that? So what it looks like when Magnus does it is he's going to go 30 feet, turn, look at Palfrey, wink, and then vanish for a second so the light will go out from your perspective and then come back on 30 feet farther away. <laughs> and then I'm for my actual action, I want to take out one of my daggers and kind of like wave it in front of its face and then throw it behind it to try and make it like go the other way. Mm, interesting. Okay. What what gear are you wearing? Uh, I wear leather armor. Okay. Yeah. What else do you have on you? Uh, let's see. I have my hand axe and my dagger. Mm-hmm. I believe. Okay. That's it. Uh, roll performance. Okay. I'm imagining this is like when you when you like thinking of like faking a dog into thinking that you've thrown something for yes. them. That, although you've actually thrown something. Like if you were holding a bone and you throw a tennis ball, that's what's yeah. going on. <laughs> Uh, that would be a 15. Okay, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> like, like a happy puppy, it uh, turns and, uh, ch- well, yeah, I guess it's kind of taking a turn here, but it, it turns and chases after uh, your uh, dagger. And actually, since you're right in front of it, that would provoke an attack of an opportunity, I suppose. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I'm just going to punch it. I don't want to distract it by hitting it with another metal, like, weapon. So I'm just going to punch it. Now, what about punching it makes you think that that's not distracting? Well, it's not like with the scent of the... Actually, am I able to decline an attack of opportunity? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't want to take one then, because that okay. would ruin my whole thing. I thought okay. I had yeah, it, it runs over and uh, and uh, picks up your dagger like a dog with a bone. Okay. It's like, I'm Given what my scene is, I'm like weirdly charmed. <laughs> I'm like sort of regretting having to kill these. All right, I know we're at 10, but let's let's let Gibetto get a turn in here and then we'll call him. Yeah. Good, because my turn is very important. The first thing I want to do is tap my armor and boost it to 19, turn to Caleb and go, it's only fair, and tap him, and or I don't have to tap him, I just snap and cast Shield of Faith, and his AC boosts by two. Oh, very good. Okay, I do have some stats for him, so I'll add that. Sweet. I was gonna do a better spell, but it uh, it required that both he and I wear platinum rings worth at least fifty gold. Friendship rings. I, I don't have those. <laughs> don't have them. <laughs> he says, uh, uh, "Is it like a shining magical shield on his chest or something?" Yeah. So like, I always picture it kind of like almost similar to the like concentric hexagons and stuff. Like maybe like hmm. a sigil appears and breaks out around you. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. He's like, oh, look at my magic poncho. Uh, <laughs> it suits you. <laughs> ah, a good one. But now is not the time for humor, Gibetto, but I'm glad you're getting the hang of it. 
I've been practicing for 37 hours. <laughs> um, he uh, he has like a rucksack uh, or, or like a uh, you know a proper backpack. He he takes that off and turns and starts digging through it. Um, and as he's digging through it, Magnus, you would hear a noise behind you and see two rust monsters uh, emerge from a rusty heap. And the rest of you would see uh, two more emerging from uh, this alcove here, and yet another would emerge from this alcove here. And we will pick up next week. We're going through the hole. <laughs> uh, that's like 120, 130 hit points worth of rust monsters, right? We have like we have the equivalent of negative 100 hit points of suka damage. So this is true. <laughs> you got you guys made such quick work of the boss of the last little arc. It was like, all right, I'm gonna fuck you out this time. Oh, you should about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. All right. Everybody good for next week? Yes. Yeah. 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 Especially with oh. the cliffhanger. Yeah. Always. Always. <laughs> Gotta have the cliffhanger. That's the cliffhanger I'm referring to. I want to know more about the boar every week. Yeah. I think if it does well, I may name it. It may, it may, it may decide that its name is Rust Monster. <laughs> yeah. Rust, rusty for short. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so much. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week then. Have a good night, guys. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>